Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's parasha is Shofatim. We are continuing the central uh, shiur lecture discourse by Moshe, uh, which has as its main subject the mitzvot. And uh, in this parasha, uh, Moshe focuses on uh, leadership, mitzvot that uh, revolve around leadership in uh, the Jewish people, uh, the responsibilities of the leaders to the people, the people to the leaders, uh, what happens when they interact. I think we could say uh, that there are uh, 12 areas uh, that the parasha deals with. The first area, uh, as the name of the parasha suggests, is uh, judges, judges and officers. Uh, the Torah tells us that it is important to set up a system of, of courts, of judges, of officers uh, throughout the land in order to uh, make sure that there, is, uh, that there is judges, that there is justice. And this is the cornerstone of, uh, of a moral society. Uh, we're also told that the judges have to be uh, impartial in the way that they uh, mete out justice. The second section uh, very often involves uh, the leaders, especially the, the judges. Uh, and this has to do with uh, worshiping Hashem, mitzvot, related to the correct and uh, also incorrect way of, uh, of worshiping. Uh, on the negative side, the Torah talks about the asherah, which is forbidden. Asherah is a tree which either is planted as a form of idolatry or in honor of the uh, idolatry. The Torah says that we are not to plant uh, any kind of sacred tree uh, near the near the altar uh, because that is not the uh, way that we worship Hashem nor are we to set up a pillar uh, which uh, is also a form that's associated with idolatry and the point is that these forms are prohibited even uh, if they're done uh, in some misguided attempt to make them uh, acceptable to Hashem uh, also in worshiping Hashem uh, in uh, uh, offering sacrifices, the sacrifices have to be uh, unblemished. Uh, that also is an important aspect. So here the, the leaders are very often involved to teach us the right way to, to behave, to, uh, the right way to worship Hashem, and therefore it, it involves the Kohanim uh, as well. Uh, as we're talking about idolatry, the Torah gets into the third section of, uh, of the parasha, uh, which has to do with the punishment for idolatry. Uh, if it is found out that uh, someone is worshiping idolatry, so there has to be due process, there has to be uh, investigation to see uh, whether, in fact, people have, uh, uh, have worshiped idolatry uh, and uh, also whether they were witnessed. Uh, we learn here about the requirement of two witnesses. This is not only true in this case, but it's true in all cases, certainly where uh, punishment is going to be meted out. And if it is true uh, that uh, two witnesses have, uh, have witnessed, and as we are taught, they also had to have warned uh, the criminal uh, 
that he was about to do something which would carry with it the death penalty. Uh, if so, if they're witnesses and their testimony stands up in court, so the person is executed uh, for idolatry by stoning. Then in the fourth section of the uh, parasha, uh, we have uh, a description of what is the function of the highest court in the land. The Torah parasha uh, started talking about having a whole system of courts in every, in every uh, uh, inhabited area, uh, but there must be a highest court. Um, in later Jewish history, that highest court is known as the Sanhedrin, but here it's called the, the, the higher highest court. So if it turns out that the lower courts do not know uh, the answer to the question, uh, then they uh, take the issue to the higher court. And the Torah reminds us that we must listen to the judges. Uh, we must listen to the decision that, uh, that they have made. And this really expands into the uh, very important notion that we are all required to adhere to the uh, rules uh, the rulings, the uh, institutions, the decrees that have been made by the authorities throughout uh, throughout Jewish history. In this context, we're told that uh, it is possible for a member of the court to rebel against the decision of the court. He's known as the Zakein Mamre, the rebellious elder. This is someone uh, who refuses to accept the decision as has been handed down by the majority uh, court and uh, the rebellious elder is executed. He's executed by strangulation and his execution is done in public uh, so that everyone uh, sees and learns uh, about the importance of uh, respecting the decisions made by the court system. Um, after a discussion about the judges, the Torah moves to another type of uh, leader, and that is uh, the king. Uh, and uh, what are the responsibilities and the duties and the rights uh, of the king? Uh, in order for there to be a king, uh, the people have to first demand that there be a king. If they don't demand the king, uh, then uh, it is possible for a, another system of government to be accepted. And the truth is that uh, after the Jewish people settled in the land uh, for well over 300 years. There was no king. Uh, there was a, there were uh, judges, but uh, not a king. But if the people demand the king, uh, so the king has to be obeyed and has to be respected uh, by the people. But by the same token, the king has to know that he is under the laws of Hashem. And therefore, there are limits on what he uh, may do. Uh, limits are placed, for example, on how many horses he's permitted to have and how many wives he's permitted to be married to, uh, because there's always a concern that uh, too much uh, extravagance uh, is going to lead him to, uh, to, to forget his duties to, uh, to Hashem. Uh, too many wives is also going to mean he's going to create different kinds of uh, political connections with other kingdoms, and that might uh, weaken uh, his commitment to the laws of the Torah. The king also has among his obligations, the obligation to write a Torah scroll and to take it with him, study it everywhere and to take it with him even into, uh, into battle. Uh, because he has to remember that as high as he is, uh, God is over him. After talking about the king, we move to another uh, type of leadership. And that is 
uh, the leadership of the tribe of the tribe of Levi. Um, first, we say that the uh, the whole tribe of Levi do not receive a portion in the land, and we're also told that the people have to support the Levim. Um, and uh, in this context, the Torah talks about the gifts that are given to the Kohanim. Remember, the Kohanim are a subdivision of the tribe of Levi. They're specifically the descendants of the family of uh, Aharon. And the people have to give uh, the Kohanim certain, uh, certain gifts. Uh, for example, uh, when uh, there are uh, sacrifices that are offered, uh, the... Uh, Parts of the sacrifices go to the king, uh, and and also uh, when people uh, slaughter meat, there are certain parts of the animal uh, that are given to the uh, kohen. Also, the kohen gets teruma. That's the first uh, portion that is separated from that which grows in the land of Israel. That's given to the kohanim, and also when you shear your sheep, the first shearing uh, goes to the kohanim. The Kohanim themselves uh, perform a service. They bring the sacrifices. Uh, they uh, are there to, pe- to teach the people. Uh, and therefore, uh, if uh, somebody from the tribe of Levi wants to uh, serve, then he, must, uh, then he must go through some training. And the Levim and the Kohanim are divided uh, into, uh, into different divisions, uh, and they have to divide the portions they receive among themselves. The Torah then moves on to uh, the, the the fact that that as uh, people we might uh, be interested in uh, knowing the future. Uh, we want, might want to uh, connect with uh, with various forces that exist, and we're told that there is a wrong way and a right way. Uh, to gain access to that knowledge. Uh, what is wrong, what is prohibited, is using sorcery and witchcraft. On the other hand, we are to be wholehearted with Hashem. In other words, devote ourselves to Hashem, uh, trust that Hashem will tell us what we need to know uh, and uh, and what we don't need to know or what Hashem doesn't want us to know, uh, we will not know. Uh, one way in which we can gain this kind of information is through a navi, through a prophet, but through a true uh, prophet. And in order to see that a prophet is true, uh, if you think that he might be true, he seems to be preaching uh, messages that are rooted in the values of the Torah. So one is permitted to ask him for a sign, for a miracle, uh, to prove uh, that he has been sent by Hashem. On the other hand, if a prophet uh, is uh, is a false prophet if he preaches in the name of uh, Avodah Zarah, uh, of idolatry, so he is executed once again by strangulation. So we're now dealing with another type of leader, namely the prophet. But in order to uh, introduce the topic of the prophet, we're told that there are uh, forbidden ways to try to access information about the future, but there's also a permitted way, and that's a prophet. And the prophet is a leader. Uh, the next section of the, the parasha uh, deals with uh, the spilling of innocent blood. Uh, this is an area, uh, murder, manslaughter, this is an area uh, that could uh, involve many of the leaders, especially the judges, uh, and uh, how to deal uh, 
uh, with, uh, with such a situation. Uh, we are told, and we've been told this before, that there must be three cities of re- refuge on each side of the Jordan River, of the Yavodin, and that we must mark the roads so that a person who has uh, killed someone unintentionally uh, can make his way to one of the cities uh, of refuge. Uh, we have to be careful uh, for such a thing, and if there's unintentional manslaughter, uh, the avenger of the blood, the, re- the relative, might be uh, looking for him. And so, as we've said before, uh, in, in the Torah, uh, the uh, city of refuge offers uh, a place for the uh, unintentional murder, murderer or manslaughter uh, to, uh, to be safe, but also it provides him with a form of uh, atonement for not having been more careful. We're also told that if you add territory, if you expand your territory in the land of Israel uh, and beyond, then for every area that you expand, you must add three more cities of refuge. Uh, On the other hand, if one commits premeditated murder uh, and then tries to take refuge in one of the cities of refuge, so the judges uh, investigate the matter and they they remove the murderer uh, from the city of refuge, if he did, if he committed premeditated murder, then he does not belong in the city of refuge, um, and he is tried. And if it turns out that he is guilty of murder, he is uh, executed by decapitation. Um, uh, as long as we're talking about the land of Israel, and we are anticipating uh, going to the land of Israel. Uh, so uh, we we realize that when the land will be settled. Uh, there will be boundaries, and uh, the Torah deals with the uh, prohibition against moving the boundary uh, that is set up uh, to separate one territory, one area from another. Uh, it's a form of uh, attempted theft of land, although land can't be actually stolen, uh, but this is a way of uh, trying to steal, so that may not be done. Uh, in the context, uh, the next area, there's now the 10th topic in the uh, parasha, uh, we're told about testimony. In general, as we said earlier, testimony has to be given by two witnesses or more whose testimony uh, uh, checks out. But it's also possible uh, that the witnesses will be found to be false. Um, <clears throat> and here we're talking about uh, what are called edim zomimim, uh, scheming witnesses, witnesses who, uh, it turns out, uh, w- did not or could not have witnessed what they uh, what they claim to have witnessed, and uh, if it uh, if it turns out that uh, that their testimony is this way, uh, then uh, they are to be punished, and they're given the same uh, punishment that their testimony would have uh, brought. If it's a monetary fine, so they have to pay a monetary fine, up to and including uh, execution. Uh, we're taught that scheming witnesses is not a case where uh, two witnesses say one thing and the two other witnesses say the opposite. Those two testimonies just cancel each other out and you need to find other testimony in order to find out what the truth is. Here the case is one set of witnesses testify to something and the other set of witnesses uh, testify that the first set uh, of witnesses uh, were with them at the time that they said they witnessed the crime. Uh, so they could not possibly have uh, seen it. Uh, and therefore, it's clear that they were uh, scheming. The next section 
uh, the 11th section of the parasha, is an area where so much of Jewish leadership uh, is involved, and that is the area of war. Uh, we're told, do not fear uh, if you must go to war, uh, if you're going to war to conquer the land uh, of, of Israel or to go against uh, Israel's enemies. Uh, before going to war, the Kohen addresses the warriors uh, and talks to them about exemptions, people who might be exempt from going into uh, into battle, but they do stay, be stay behind and have their other responsibilities. When going to war, uh, you must first offer the enemy uh, an op option of peace, and that could mean uh, the option of leaving uh, without, uh, without fear of being pursued. Uh, but if uh, they choose war, then, uh, then the war has to be done, uh, and uh, the Torah distinguishes between different kinds of war, obligatory war, such as the war to conquer the land, or optional war, where the king decides to expand the territory. And then, in the in the context of talking about war, this grand, uh, all-encompassing uh, issue, uh, which involves the people and involves the Kohanim and the king and so on and so forth, uh, then we focus in on something that might seem uh, uh, minor in importance, uh, and that is if you need to cut down trees in order to uh, lay siege, uh, do not cut down fruit-producing trees. You have to leave them. And the truth is that this is a mitzvah that's not only true in the time of war, uh, but uh, at all times, if a tree is productive, uh, then uh, it may not be cut down. Uh, the 12th and final section of the parasha uh, deals with the case of the beheaded heifer. It's the case of a person who was found uh, in the field uh, who, has been, uh, who has been killed, um, and the victim uh, is, is found there, and it's not, it is not known who is responsible for this person's uh, death. Uh, so the Torah says that you have to measure from where the body is found to the closest city. Uh, the judges get involved in, um, uh, in declaring that they uh, are to be uh, atoned for, uh, for this terrible thing happening in their midst. They take a heifer, which, is, uh, which has never worked, and, uh, uh, and uh, it is beheaded. In other words, it is not, uh, it's not slaughtered in the usual way of a sacrifice, so it's unproductive. Uh, and then the Kohanim, uh, the judges rather, wash their hands uh, over this place and uh, de declare and also pray for atonement uh, for this event. So here we have another case of uh, where, the, where the leadership is involved. Parashat Shoftim has uh, quite a number of topics, uh, as I said, most of which deals with uh, with leadership. Uh, early in the parasha, uh, we read the very, very famous statement, tzedek, tzedek, tirdof, justice, justice, shall you pursue? Uh, justice is something that has to be pursued. It's not going to happen automatically. You have to actively pursue it. Uh, and that's through the whole system of judges. Leman so that you will live. And you will uh, occupy, you will continue to, uh, to possess the land that Hashem, your God, is giving you. Uh, two comments by the Bravenel uh, on this. Uh, one is an overall comment. He said in the last parasha, uh, parashat Re'eh, uh, most of the mitzvot uh, that are discussed in that mitzvah deal in one way or the other with the 
uh, mikdash, with the sanctuary. Whereas in this parasha, just about everything deals with the leadership of uh, of the people, as I've tried to uh, explain. Uh, as for this verse, tzedek tzedek tirdof, uh, so he, uh, he says that it is necessary to pursue justice and uprightness, uh, again, to pursue it actively, uh, proactively, uh, first of all, by appointing the right kind of people to be judges, because, uh, of course, it's through their justice that, uh, that the society will, uh, uh, will be based on uh, law uh, and order and uh, the proper values. And if you do so, you will live and you will take continue possession of the land because uh, justice is one of the three things, as we are taught in Pirkei Avot, uh, upon which the, uh, the world uh, is established. Justice, truth, and peace. All three of these are important, but without one of them, without justice, uh, then the society will uh, collapse. So everything here depends uh, on uh, on justice. If you don't do this, then the opposite will take place. Uh, if the judges are corrupt, uh, then uh, people who are innocent will be punished, and the people who are guilty will go free. And uh, that will lead to the collapse of the society. But instead, uh, pursue justice, make sure you appoint people for whom justice uh, and righteousness is uh, is a central value. And then uh, you can be sure that uh, your society will be uh, strong and thrive. I thank you very much for joining me in uh, this exploration of Parashat Shoftim. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom. <laughs>